The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. It matters. It does matter. You know, Sissy, I've been thinking a lot about Tisha's interview and how she talked about you know, back in the day, um, we did a lot more consequence-driven interventions than we do than we did antecedent interventions. Like and now, you know, that's kind of flipped. We do more antecedent interventions than consequence interventions. And I was thinking about my own behavior because I don't know if you know this about me, and it has absolutely nothing to do with politics. It's because I was raised by an Irish Catholic mother, but I have one of those bleeding hearts that people talk about. <laughs> And um, I was in a school district the other day and I needed to stop at the drugstore on the way home. And I went in and there was a guy there outside and he was clearly homeless and he looked really young in his early 20s, maybe. And he didn't have any shoes on. Mm -hmm. And so I walked out and he said, ma'am. And I said, oh, I don't have any money. And so I got in my car, took my mask off, looked in my wallet and I had two dollar bills. So I thought, okay, I'll give him one. And then keep one for myself. So I drove up and I rolled down my window and he came over (laughs) and God love him. (laughs) He was really happy to get that dollar bill, but he kind of leaned into my car and said, thank you so much. Lovely. And I said, okay, okay, well, here you go. God bless you. You know, take the dollar and everything. And he was really close to my face and he had a mask down on his chin and my mask was off. And so I just, you know, we are in COVID times. And so I started wiping down, you know, my face and my <laughs> the car window and everything with antibacterial wipes. And I thought to myself, if I get COVID, that's how I got it. Right. And so <laughs> I don't think I got COVID, but it was not a pleasant experience. And so a couple of days later, I was driving somewhere and there was a homeless person on the side of the road. And I thought, Normal me would give him some food or that last dollar or something because I also carry around bags of chips in my car and dog food for people (laughs) who have dogs. And um, I realized that that young man at the drugstore really punished my behavior (laughs) to the point where I, I just kept driving. And so, you know, that leads me to a story that you kind of were involved in later um it was in a land really really far away and a really long time ago um in a small school district where there were three boys in a self-contained program james toby and scott and um there was a teacher who was doing things um as an attempt at punishing the behavior that are probably illegal and not done in public school. She was using a water mist. Whoops. <laughs> she was using a water mist in kids' faces for behaviors like screaming or whatever. And like so, you do with your cat. No, I don't even do that with my cat or my dog. Okay, it's like some people might like do. Like some people might do with cats, yes. And so... You know, of course, the district didn't know this. I mean, the special ed director was a wonderful, amazing lady, you know. So 
the paraprofessional was really upset about what was happening in this classroom. And this was a classroom where every time, you know, you went by to offer help, she'd be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Nope. I'm fine. I'm fine. And so um, the paraprofessional got in touch with James and Toby and Scott's parents and called them and they met at a local McDonald's Mm. and she told them what was happening. Now, I don't know how this story didn't end up on the news, um, but of course, when the parents called the special director the next day, she was mortified, you know? Yes. And was really willing to do anything to rectify the, the, um, the, was really willing to do anything to make the situation better, as well as the superintendent and as well as, you know, everybody in the, in the um, district, when they heard about this, they were, you know, really kind of basically willing to give the families a silver platter and they chose what they wanted on it. Right. Right. And so the first thing obviously was that teacher was not in the classroom the next day and will probably never teach again. Um, So that was one thing. Um, So we got a new teacher in there, really good teacher, brand new, excellent. Her name was Miss Pillow. And Miss Pillow was told to collect data on all of the boys' behaviors. And Toby had a behavior that was like a, uh, it was, it kind of sounded like a dolphin scream, if you will. You know, that sounds kind of weird way to describe a behavior, but it was a real weird little squeal. And one of the agreements from the situation was that Toby would have a functional behavior assessment done on the screaming. And so Mrs. Pillow was told to collect data. And so she did. She collected as much data as she possibly could. And when I got involved, let's say maybe December, January, um, they asked me to conduct the functional behavior assessment. And I asked for the data and I was given two spiral bound notebooks of data, which I know you've gotten boxes like that. Yeah, always fun. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to really derive quantifiable data from anecdotal data, but I made the best effort I could. And I went through the spiral bound notebooks and you could tell in September, Mrs. Pillow was really, you know, ready to roll. And she was taking anecdotal data that said things like Toby screamed at 10.08. It was audible until, I mean, it was audible to people outside of the classroom Versus, you know, he screamed at 2.05 and only inside the classroom that you could hear it and things like that. And then right around October, November, it started getting to be things like he screamed in the afternoon. And then <laughs> and then it was like he had an incident. <laughs> and so, you know, that first couple of data points were great, right? You could talk about intensity and, 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 and um, location and, you know activity and all of that. But then in October and November, it was like, wait, tell me what is an incident? So it was a really great learning opportunity. And I went to her in the, you know, in the classroom and I was talking to her about the data. And I, you know, I tried not to make her feel that she had made a mistake, but I was, you know, trying to make it a learning opportunity for everybody so that we could figure out the function of the screaming behavior. And so we, I, I kind of talked, I had a chart, like an ABC chart that I had filled in with as much information as I could. And then I was asking her, you know, how, is there any way you could fill in some of these blanks? And, you know, of course the answer was no, you know, she has a lot of kids and 
they have challenging behaviors and she was doing the very best that she could. And so we just um, switched that and asked her to take scatter plot data with um, the levels of intensity. And she did that. And it was really clear that the function of the behavior was escape and that, you know, we put him on a DRO, we, which is differential reinforcement of other zero rates of behavior or other behaviors. It's um, we uh, gave him a replacement behavior, such as asking for a break. And the screaming pretty much was gone by the end of the school year. And parents were happy. And, you know, it was a great learning experience for me, for Mrs. Pillow, for the parents, for the school district. Um, Mm -hmm. But just kind of think leads me to that story when we talk about consequence-driven interventions and punishment procedures and all of that. And so I just wanted to share that as a kind of piggyback to Tisha. Oh, yeah. You know, she did talk about how we were more that punishment driven back so many years ago. Um, You know, I think I talked about not on the podcast, but I think you and I have talked before about I had a student who was spitting and they wanted to spray him with pickle juice in his mouth every time he spit. This has been many years ago, back before the autism supplement, before those pieces where we address, you know, that we need to have reinforcement procedures. I was definitely not consistent because I did not want to spray him in the mouth with pickle juice. Oh gosh, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And another piece that felt like punishment, although it wasn't punishment, I had a student who had um, that he would taste foods, new foods as a goal mm. <laughs> with objectives. And mm. I, it was, it was not pleasant at all. He hated it. He cried. Mm. He didn't want to do it. I felt obligated that he would have to take a taste because that was on his goals and objectives. And, um, I went to a, it did feel like punishment. It definitely felt sure. like Sure. Well, of course, because you're, yeah. You're, you're not trying to decrease the behavior. You're trying to increase the behavior, but it's not a f- pleasant way to do it. No, and it wasn't increasing the behavior. Right. And I saw um, Dr. Mezabov, Gary Mezabov, at a conference. Again, this is years, this is before I had even done teach training, you know, so I'm yeah. I'm still in awe of people like Gary Mezabov and the level of knowledge they have and care and concern. But anyway, yeah, he was talking about, Um, food aversions or very picky eaters. And he said, most of our students are going to grow up and they're going to expand their foods. You know, there will be very few who stick with, you know, SpaghettiOs only to the rest of their life. Um, So that was perfect because I was able to come back and say, Dr. Gary Mesopov said that he will outgrow this probably. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And I, we went back to art and had it taken off or I, the IEP meeting anywhere else. I call it an IEP meeting only in Texas. Do we call it an ARD? But anyway, we're the United State of Texas. I mean, we, we, we are, we are. I mean, we have the autism supplement. Nobody else has that. We, we have know. all kinds of things that nobody else has. <laughs> of course. We will well, get into that. that. Okay. So uh, my little guy, um, it felt so much better to not yeah. have to force him. Now we could do things like you want to taste this ice cream? Just taste this little bite for me. Sure, sure. Ice cream. And sure. that was a much more pleasant way to try to sure. expand his foods. I had a little guy that was on a feeding program and it was, you know, started out just uh, hold the food. 
and then touch, or I think it was touch the food and then hold the food and then put the food to your lip and then put your tongue, you know, and it's so funny that you said that what Gary Mezepov said, because I really don't know any 15 year old who has rigid food repertoires. I know a lot of five-year-olds yes. who only eat crunchy food or who only eat soft food. I had one little one who would only eat blue food, which is very hard to find. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Or green foods. You know, but I think back to that little guy who we ran that feeding program and I fast forward now, he's 21, 22, and I think he's about 6'4", and he weighs about 250, you know, and I I always think back to that when we talk about these food programs, because so many parents and teachers, of course, want kids to vary their foods. They're worried about their diet. They only eat nacho-flavored Doritos or Takis or, you know, those spicy hot foods. flaming hot Cheetos or whatever. Yeah. And of course we're going to encourage it and give them opportunities. But again, like you said, I, I don't know any 15 year olds who have those rigid food repertoires. And I just wonder if it's kind of a, an attempt to control their environment, you know? Yeah. yeah I do think that there's sen- some of our kids have very sensitive sensory systems. Yeah. And I do think some of the food issues could be that, I mean, and I'll use myself as an example. Of course. I only ate, the only vegetable I ate as a little kid was green beans. That was it. And um, which is one of the other thing that I say, they will get better. It will get better. I'm not to say there probably are some adults with autism who still have very restricted repertoire, but they're not as prevalent at all as our younger kids. Anyway, my brothers were in charge of me one day and they decided I was going to have ranch style beans with my (laughs) lunch and they were not going to let me leave the table till I ate it. And I ate it and then I threw it up. I, and it wasn't, I wasn't trying to get back at them. I didn't have that kind of command over my stomach. My stomach was like, "Mm -hmm." and I, sometimes I think that's, some of our kids, their sensory systems are just not ready for it yet. Yeah. And yet they'll be ready for, you know, flaming Hot Cheetos. I know. It's a different, it's different pieces. And I definitely think there is something to be said about trying to expand the repertoire for some of our kids who have sure. very restricted diets. Um, and certainly, you know, there are positive ways to do it. And those are the things that we want to look at for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. So, um, again, you know, I just was thinking about Tisha and and her consequence comment, and I I just started thinking about things that have happened in the past, again, a long, long time ago in a land land far, far away from here. Um, So you became involved in that situation, not with those three boys, but do you remember the two kiddos that we worked with who we were setting up structured learning classrooms in that school district? And do you remember the two that were kind of kicking butt and taking names and we yes. went to the sister the the special ed director and said we really need to have these kids have their own classroom yeah <laughs> and yeah. they were like what and we were like yeah they really need their own classroom and they did really well and and the little boy is now in high school and he is just precious 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 but boy they were tough when they were little weren't they yes yes and you know again that's just like the food you get the right systems in place and, you know, a kid can fly and the systems work for them. And that's what we want, you know, or, or they begin to discriminate the stimuli. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Either way. We do have a question today and I'll read it. In today's episode, Susan talked about punishment procedures. In ABA, we have negative punishment and positive punishment. 
Which of the following is not an example of negative punishment? A, taking away a cell phone. B, time out. C, water mist. D, turning off cartoons. And let's just say this, um, we might as well come up with a behavior we're thinking about that needs to be decreased, right? Sure, sure. So yeah. let's say we're trying to decrease screaming behavior or biting yeah. or hitting or kicking or spitting or pinching or whatever. So, so the behavior that we're looking, yeah. The behavior and, that we want to reduce because it's a punishment procedure. With negative punishment, so with positive punishment, you're applying something to decrease mm-hmm. the behavior. And negative punishment, you're withholding or, or withdrawing something to decrease behavior. So taking away a cell phone. Um, you know, let's say we've got a student who likes to climb out of the window and go out at night, maybe just a general ed, typically developing student as I was when I was a teenager, (laughs) we didn't have cell phones, but my mom sure did restrict some of my opportunities to go drive the car or go to my friend's house. And that actually decreased me sneaking out at light and taking the car. Um, so that would be a good example of negative punishment. Yeah, um, whether it was screaming or or getting out of the house, taking sure. away the phone. Yep, took something away and it decreased the behavior. Okay. Sure. So timeout. You know, one of the things with timeout is that timeout, time in has to be reinforcing for timeout to be effective, right? And I know a lot of teachers who use timeout corners or whatever, and we really are trying not to do those anymore. But some te- people still do. And um, I don't like timeout personally because I don't think it works very well with our kids. But nevertheless, you yeah, still would be on the spectrum, you know, to think that, OK, if a kid on the spectrum likes time in, please, let's don't yeah. remove him from being with his peers. If that's positive for him as a punishment, right. we want to keep that interaction stuff going. But, yeah, assuming that they love circle time or morning meeting or whatever it is that's going on. If you remove them from that activity and put them in timeout, that's still, again, a negative punishment. Yeah. Right. Because you'd be removing something to decrease screaming or hitting or kicking or pinching or biting or what have you. So, you know, and I guess the assumption on all of these examples is that the result is a decrease. But anyway, so the water mist, you know, um, really is a positive punishment in that you're applying something to decrease the behavior, which often doesn't work as it did not work in the story that I told. Um, Turning off cartoons is kind of the same example of taking away the cell phone or decreasing my opportunities as a young teenager to (laughs) interact with my friends um, by removing something the child likes in order to decrease behaviors. And I remember I had a little guy whose mother I ran into last year and um, she was a teacher's aide on a campus. And I said, how old is he now? And Bobby. And she said, he just turned 30. <laughs> oh my so made me feel yeah. really old, but I do remember that when he would um, engage in self-stim behaviors that were inappropriate, mom would put a pause on the remote. You know, she'd pause the video and it really did decrease his behavior. And so she's a really great mom. Um, yeah. 
So I think that the answer other than water mist, I mean, we would never want to do that to kids. That is definitely demeaning. Absolutely. (laughs) And we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that, but even to take away a cell phone or put them in timeout or turn off, you know, the preferred video, those are still punishment procedures. Sure. And we're supposed to try reinforcement procedures first, for sure. Not to say that you wouldn't have that on a kid's BIP. You no. could have, you know, remove preferred video as after you've gone through do 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 You've gone through many things and you're trying to stop maybe self-injurious behaviors or even, you know, even, you know, if a child is not necessarily aggressive to other kids, but threatening to other kids. Sure. Yeah, because that's yeah. going to ruin their relationship. So you could. Yeah. But, you know, we, we are we are tasked with using antecedent strategies and positive behavioral supports. And I don't know where I read it. And I'm, I don't know if it's even accurate, but I'm sure it's close that positive behavioral supports can change 75% of behaviors. So, you know, for a lot of behaviors, we don't even need punishment procedures. Now we might have consequence interventions, um, but they might not involve punishment procedures. They might just involve differential reinforcement. Well, differential reinforcement is punishment procedure, if you think about it, but um, they might involve, you know, increase in positive reinforcement when they engage in the replacement behavior and things like that. Or even withholding the, I mean, that still feels like punishment, but they're going to get it when they complete the task or you're withholding the reward until they've met the criteria. Well, that was a good test question. Thanks. It was a great test question. You wrote it. (laughs) I read it. Well, everybody, we hope you enjoyed um, the story today. We look forward to you coming back next week for a really, really great interview with Dr. Mary Lassiter, who is um, at the University of Houston, uh, Victoria, doing really cool things that I want people to hear about. So for now, we will say so long. And as always, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on all our social media and or Rate and review us on the podcast app that you are using. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you soon. Take care.